Hey, everybody. Before we uh, start the show this week, um, we want to reach out, me and Ethan do, and say how, I don't even know how to say it, just such an awful thing that happened uh, in Texas this week. We recorded on a Monday, and the uh, event that we're talking about, the school shooting in Texas, happened on a Tuesday afternoon, right, actually right after I picked up my kids from school. I heard about it. And I was picking them up from the last day of school. So now they don't have to go back until August. But it got me thinking, man, I wonder how many more days of school they had left. I wonder I wonder um, if they went all year, all year round. I wonder, I wonder a lot of things about that situation. And our episode this week is really Texas-oriented because of the all-star race happening in Texas this week. We didn't want it to just go without mentioning something, not to bring everything down right, right off the top here. But at the same time, we wanted to be conscious of this and we wanted to let everybody know that we saw this and I just wanted to share our thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, honestly, it's just a tr like a tragic situation, you know, um, <sighs> Like, I mean, Soda said, like, man, it's, it's just a really sad situation, honestly. Um, I don't think any, any parent would ever want to bury, you know, their child or, or attend their child's funeral. You know, that's not supposed to happen. And, and unfortunately, there's what, 13, 14 children? I think it's. Just I think it's up to 18 or 19 oh, now. Oh, God. It's just, this has to stop. I mean, good Lord. You know, I don't know what that, I don't know how to stop this from happening, but we we need to go into it. I mean, at this point, because this is incredibly just demoralizing. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's disgusting. I don't understand it, but we, something's needed. Something has to change. There's several things that I think need to change um, without going. I mean, we're not a political podcast and, or not anything like that. We don't we don't know. We don't know stuff. I mean, we know NASCAR. We know wrestling. We know that kind of stuff. We know how to goof around on the computer. That's it. We see all this stuff happening in the world and everybody's got an opinion on what exactly needs to change. I personally feel like the whole system's broken. It doesn't seem to matter who's in charge. It always happens. And if it always happens, no matter who's in charge, then the whole system needs to be redone. Everything needs to, everything needs to change. Absolutely everything. The way our laws are, the way, the way that, that we go about electing people to enforce the laws, to, you know, to not just come up with things that suit their own best interest, but to actually suit the interest of all of us. That's my personal take, not to get too political about it, but it's it's just an awful situation. But um, before we start, do you have anything you want to add real quick? I mean, unfortunately, all I can say is just thoughts and prayers. You know, the whole the whole thing we have been doing for quite a while and nothing has changed. So unfortunately, just my thoughts and prayers to absolutely everybody involved in this situation. Um, just oh, heartbreaking. And like I said at the beginning, our show is very Texas oriented. 
this week, um, being the all-star race was in Texas. So we just, we want this show to come across today, not as um, negligent of the situation, but as something to not necessarily take your mind off of it, because I don't think anybody needs their mind taken off of what's going on, because this is a very serious thing that keeps happening to this country. I think we just need to kind of distract you a little bit. I feel like we can do this with this episode. If you'll give us a chance, I feel like we had a humorous conversation. I feel like it was funny and I feel like we'll entertain you. And I think that's the uh, whole point of it. So I hope everybody enjoys this episode and I hope we uh, can entertain you for a little while while it's going on. Thank you for listening. Hey, Google play in the marbles with soda and Ethan. All right, playing the latest episode of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they anything, get them tigers to screech and I beat them Checkered flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in a couple And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the marbles we're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hello everybody, welcome to episode 6 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan I am Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter I am Ethan, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivila Ethan and if you hear anything in the background, I'm going to go ahead and uh, just throw it out there at the beginning. Um, my dog doesn't know what to do with himself when I'm sitting at my computer talking to myself. So he gets very active. So if you hear any barking or slapping or rustling or anything like that in the background, it's usually him. I try to edit him out, but what are you going to do? He's five months old. And we love Mac. Yep. Mac, you got it right this time. Yes, I know. <laughs> you, <laughs> Every time I call him Gus. Yeah, off off camera, off camera, off microphone. He likes to call him uh, Gus a lot. I tend to edit a lot of that out, but I don't know why. I don't know how <laughs> I got Gus out of Mac, but ugh, here we are. How's your weekend, dude? Uh, Pretty good. Um, It rained a lot this weekend, but this past week, I can't can't complain too bad. Um, As far as little things that happened, I got a... Uh, non-NASCAR related. I got a purchase in, um, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. I put it on Twitter late when well, you were at Texas or, or on your way to Texas or something. I got a Macho Man Elite, then now forever. The uh, one where he's from WCW with the black and the star. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Late in career. Uh, I know a lot of people don't really like that gimmick, but you know, it gave him the world title again. So you can't complain too hard about it. It was one that I saw it for 20 bucks back in the day when it came out and I didn't pick it up. <gasps> that was disgusting, Mac. <laughs> wow, just hawk it up right there. <laughs> anyway. Please keep that in. I am. I, he's, he's, he's part of the show now. Good job. Oh, I'm dying. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, it's awesome. one that I didn't pick up when I saw it. I actually saw the box on the on the pallet, and I opened up the box and I looked at them and I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! I can't do twenty bucks right now." Right. You know, I got the Typhoon later. I never saw Macho again because he came in the same box. I actually got Typhoon signed eventually, which I want to get into something with signatures here in a minute, too. But, yeah, I picked up that Macho Man, and I'm excited about that. It's just fun. Fun getting all this old stuff that you didn't get from before. Also, we bought a ticket to go to StarCast at the end oh, of July. Okay. Yeah. Where's um, that at? It's in Nashville. It's like oh. a five-hour trip. So it's not unrealistic. It isn't like a trip all the way to Texas or Orlando or something. It's a five hour right. trip. You can do, you can leave early that morning, go to the event that day. We got a two day ticket, general admission only. I'm not, I'm not really interested in a bunch of the panels and events and stuff. I just, I like to go to meet the wrestlers and get signatures. Sure. Barry Wyndham's going to be there. Oh, that's wow. why, because at WrestleCon, I got the four pack, four horsemen signed everybody, but Barry Wyndham. <laughs> And oh, okay. Barry Wyndham is going to complete that set. And it was like 60 bucks for a two-day ticket. And I got two days just in case he's not there on one of the days, Saturday or Sunday. I can't wait. It's just a ticket for me. My whole family is going to go up there. They're going to go spend a little time in Nashville. I think my wife wants to take a tour of the Grand Ole Opry. And, oh. you know, really cool. That's, that's a really cool thing. I, yeah. I got priorities. Barry Wyndham is a priority of me. Hey, you know what? I understand that. Yeah, Magnum TA is going to be there also. I got something for him. Uh, Road Dog's going to be there. I got something for wow. him. And there's a, plenty of other people that are going to be there I'm not looking at. is like Bret Hart, Ric Flair, the rest of the Four Horsemen, and um, Jerry the King Lawler, Mick Foley. That's a possibility with me. I don't know. I have three things he could sign, but that's money. Yeah, I'm excited about that, man. You had a weekend. You went to the All-Star Race this weekend. I did, yes. Oh, man, how fun was that? Hey, real quick, real quick. What are you drinking? You drinking anything? You know what? I almost forgot. <laughs> I am drinking something. A nice, a super ice-cold, rowdy energy uh, cherry limeade. Cherry limeade. That's cool. Yes. I love that flavor. Oh, my gosh. I don't have a rowdy because I went to a store that has, it's the only store in town that has this uh, particular flavor of rain, Inferno. Uh, it's a jalapeno strawberry, and I love oh. that flavor. It's my favorite rain that they make, so I had to get that this morning. That's what I got. Jalapeno, jalapeno strawberry. It's not spicy, oh. but it tastes it, it tastes like it like it feels like it should taste. Okay, it's good. It's good if you like it. If you like that kind of flavor. Anyway, wow. How you? I've never I've never heard of that flavor. That's yeah. It's hard to find. It comes to the uh, set that has like it's wild and watermelon and red dragon, oh. which red dragon tastes like. Uh, oh, code red Mountain Dew. That's what red dragon. Oh, tastes okay. Like. That's not too bad. But this one has no other. There's nothing out there that tastes like this. So I'm I'm all oh. about it. But I got some more rowdy energies on the way. I'm running low, so I'm kind of saving <laughs> them. Heck yeah. <laughs> um. So how was your weekend, man? Man, oh man, I. Had a blast. Texas knows how to party. Oh my goodness. So the way this kind of worked out, I woke up, was it 5 a.m. on Sunday morning and drove myself the six on Twitter. I said five hours. It's actually six and a half hours mm. away from me. So about 500 miles. Anything over um, five, you're at that point. You're like, that's a little iffy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is the first time I've ever been to Texas. Like the state of Texas. Mm. First time I've ever been to Texas Motor Speedway, obviously, uh, for the All-Stars. So I was really looking forward to it. Yeah. 
And uh, the drive down there wasn't nearly as bad. Well, probably because it was daytime and I was jazzed up. I was ready to go. I had some rowdy energy coursing through the veins, you know. And uh, when I got there, I had no idea where I was supposed to park. I'm used to Kansas Speedway where it's like just grassy like land that you park on. Uh, this had like concrete parking lots all around the racetrack. I just kind of like took a exit and I just found a parking uh, parking lot and it was at gate nine. And I did not know what that meant. Well, gate one is where you go in. So <laughs> I had to walk all like literally gate nine is if you were watching the race yesterday was right around the place that they were setting off the fireworks after the show. I, and like, I know that. Yeah, I'm not sure where that would be because I didn't notice where that was. So that was on the exit of turn two. Okay. And I know that, yeah, it doesn't sound like that bad of a walk. That was a really long walk. It does around a mile and a half racetrack. You got half a half a track. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, my gosh. It was insane. Uh, I missed the tweet up with Bob Pockris. So I, I was upset about that. Got to, you know, got to the infield and stuff. And uh, man, Texas people, I, I don't know whether to hate them or, or love them because within five minutes of being there, walking around with my Kyle Bush hoodie, man, I got like five or six people, F Kyle Bush, you know, and I'm like, good lord. You know, God, it's hostile. It's NASCAR. They should, it's such a kid friendly sport. Right. I, I can't stand it when people act like that in the stands. It, that kind of attitude keeps me from wanting to take my kids to Talladega every year because people get drunk and they yeah. don't care what they say in the stands. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing at a wrestling event because it's kind of a violent thing anyway. Right. You expect it from a bunch of idiots in the stands to, to do that kind of thing. But at a NASCAR race, I guess, I don't know. I, I, I've never had that mindset of I'm just going to let everything hang out since I'm here you know, watching this event, even though there's kids all over the place. Right, exactly. And now, to kind of defend that is like some of the people that I was uh, I was sitting around, some of the absolute nicest human beings ever. They would talk trash mm -hmm. on Kyle Bush, and then we would laugh about it. You know, it's it wasn't that big of a deal. There was uh, some girl that was sitting right next to me that, oh my goodness, oof. Oh my gosh, she was pretty. Um, anyways, but gosh, she still got to me all flustered, man. She was so pretty. Okay, anyways, but that she was uh, definitely not a Kyle Busch fan, and, and you know we were just laughing about that. I was trying to get that phone number and didn't didn't succeed. What were you gonna um, do with somebody in Texas? <laughs> Six and a half hours I, away from you? Come on. Well, listen. <laughs> if there's a way, wait. If there's a will, there's a way. Mm -hmm. Okay. If there's a way, there's a will. <laughs> um, no. So the actual racing was really interesting. Um, so Kansas Speedway, Texas Motor Speedway, they're both intermediate racetracks. They're both mile and a half. And they both have, you know, obviously that tri-oval. Um, man, Texas Motor Speedway is way more narrow than Kansas. And insanely uh, as wide as the track actually physically is, there's like one and a half groups of racing. Too. Yeah. It's just we'll get into Texas in a little bit, but when, once you're done with your weekend here. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'll, uh, I'll kind of jump into that a little bit uh, later in the, in the show, but 
Oh man, it was an all around awesome, awesome experience. Probably my favorite NASCAR event I've ever been to. I will. I, they did announce that the All Star race is going back to Texas uh, next season. Uh, okay. So I will be there, and I'm going to try my best to uh, to go to the September races uh, at Texas, mm-hmm. even if I have to go by myself. That's totally fine. But this time, I am by. I am getting a hotel. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, at least uh, from what you're telling me now, at least one to uh, leave. <laughs> oh man, that was that was horrendous because uh, they announced like halfway through they were like, oh yeah, there's a uh, I don't know some band or something playing a free show after the races. Uh, so every you know stick around everybody. Well, nobody did, and I was <laughs> thinking everybody was because I thought it was just a homegrown Texas you know band. So I was like, all right, cool, I can sneak out. And whew, that did not happen. I sat in Texas Motor Speedway parking lot for almost, what did I say? You told me three hours. Yeah, almost. I think it was almost three hours. I've a little, a little over three hours. I've seen that and I've done that before at Talladega, but there was also like 200,000 people there. Yeah. Were, were the stands that full or was it just yeah. a traffic issue? No, well, I it was absolutely a traffic issue. Um, but man, I I think there was more people at Texas than there was at Kansas the last two times I've went to Kansas. I guess that's why they keep going back to that place because I don't get it. I mean, I don't I don't get the all-star race being there, but I you know, ugh, I'm not either. I'm not really quite sure, but man, I'm sure glad it was this year because because you're able to get just it. for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just so I, I was able to go, and I can officially say I've been to an All Star race. Like, oh, that's so cool! And back to back Cup races. So, I just can't wait to go to a point race there. If you don't have live active pit stops, which you don't have to have at the All Star race, they should rotate that thing around short tracks around the entire country. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I would love to see an All Star race at Five Flags Speedway down the road. Oh, I'd like oh, to oh. see one at um, Bowman Gray. Yeah, imagine that. I mean. I don't know. I just I think that's an idea that's better than just going to a clone of Charlotte, which doesn't race as good as Charlotte. Right. I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. I after kind of like thinking about it on my way home, going to Texas Motor Speedway really made me add a lot more, a, a few more tracks on the bucket list of race tracks I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Definitely Charlotte. Uh, definitely Atlanta. I wish Chicagoland was still a thing. I don't know why we don't go there. Like absolutely i perfect, think it's a chicago track. thing i think it's already been demolished what i think so i think it has i think it's already been torn down shut your butt <laughs> i i think i saw that on twitter i think i saw where it was either on the verge of being torn down or in the process of it to build like a <sighs> industrial complex or something no mm-hmm. dale jr if you're listening <laughs> we yeah, need your help dale jr's listening to us yeah well <laughs> you never know <laughs> no, that's that's horrible news. Actually, I oh man, I always loved watching that racetrack. But I'll double uh, check, we'll double check that you know after the show or whatever. But I'm mm-hmm. fairly sure I saw that it was either being demolished in the process of being demolished or already have been demolished. Oh, that hurts my heart, and it should hurt the heart of every NASCAR fan because that racetrack was fun to watch. Eh. What? <laughs> Soda. That's mile and a half, man. I just—they're all the same. Oh. I mean, if you have one, you have 
You have one. I don't know. That's just made up. I mean, everybody can have their opinion, but if I agreed with you, we'd both well, see. Go. I don't need. I don't need three uh, Charlotte tracks. You know, I don't need a Charlotte and a Texas and Atlanta the way it was. I don't need that. We had Charlotte. I don't know what Atlanta had to do to change that thing. I don't know what Texas did to clone it. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, and now Charlotte's like the normal decent track. Atlanta has unchanged itself to where it's unrecognizable. And Texas has bad racing. <laughs> I now it's it's three completely different tracks, I'll give it that, but they all look the same and there's only one of them that's like normal. I don't know. So as you were talking, I kind of went to the Google machine and looked up the Chicagoland uh, situation, and it looks like it's still there. But, yeah, I'm looking at the picture that they wanted to make that industrial park mm-hmm. or whatever, and it's going to engulf the entire race. Yeah, so, yeah. Just just say goodbye. Uh, it's gone. Uh, yeah. That, my, uh, it's, it's hard when you really like a track, and that happens. We'll get into that another episode where we can go through our memories of tracks. I have one, personally, that is a local racetrack that I went to every Saturday night when I was a kid for like three or four years straight. And now it's a housing development. You can still see the shape of the racetrack in the uh, backyards of these houses. And yeah, the banking where all the uh, stands were like, cause the stands were actually built into the bank. It had like wood, wow. wood benches that were built into the dirt, uh, the grass bank. And you can see the banking where the stands were. You can see the area where the little go-kart track was off to the side. You can see where the pit uh, entrance was because that's actually part of the entrance and the exit to the complex. They just used that road. And the backside, because uh, a lot of dirt tracks back then, asphalt too, but a lot of dirt tracks back then in the early 90s especially, they, had, they didn't have walls all the way around it. They had an open spot on the back. Yes. So it was like you had your track and then you had like a, like a hill or a decline. So you go over the ridge and you just go off the backside. It was a way for them to kind of save their equipment. That's what they called it down the backside, you know, basically out of the track. And instead of hitting a wall, you would just kind of go over the the thing. And all you would see is the top of the cars from the stands until they come flying back on Dukes of Hazard style before they get to the turn. (laughs) It was so interesting. Some of them would take a really nasty ride back there and they go rolling. And and some of them would, would hit trees that were back there. I bet if I was to walk back there, I would find all sorts of old sheet metal and oh, tires and all sorts of stuff. I might, I might do that one day. Um, I might ride right over there and see if I can find anything buried in the dirt racing related, maybe from old drivers I used to know. But anyway, we'll go into that one day. I think that's a fun topic to hit. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you had a good weekend. It was all a decent experience, uh, maybe minus how the race went. Yeah. There are some things about the race that I wasn't too fond yeah, of. Yeah, we'll um we'll 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 do the all-star race recap in just a minute. First off, they like to come out, uh, introduce the drivers and the crews to theme songs. They get to pick their own theme song. Yeah. I told you the other day, it's like, hey, be be thinking of your theme song. What yeah. what would you come out to? Uh have you got one? <laughs> it depends on what mood I'm in, right? If I'm sitting on the pole. Uh, and like I have a really fast race car, I'm coming out to that one song, you know, that one song with the words and stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, all I do is win by DJ Khaled. Oh, I think. okay. But if I'm, you know, more focused and ready to just eat the competition, I'm actually going to go with 
fire by our boy big underscore bane cool that song and i'm not saying this just because he's a friend of ours like fire by big bane is one of my top songs i absolutely love that it like it just gets me going <laughs> what about you well, my favorite that he's done is freaks that, that okay. that's my Man, favorite that's that he's one. done um i'm not as big of a rap fan and freaks mm-hmm. is not rap yeah. freaks is kind of a um kind of like a speaking speaking to music uh yeah kind of kind of song it's it's hard to explain exactly how they also call that so do they also call that singing no 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 it, i don't <laughs> consider that singing i mean I he kind of so. does a little bit but i don't know it's a different it's like a it's more like a speak to me a, spe- yeah, a like speaking a, rhythm not rap with a little bit of a tone adjustment based on you know the backgrounds but it's not he's not just full-fledged belting out notes in that song in my right in my opinion i think it's uh it's a uh, alternative johnny cash johnny cash I, I love johnny cash actually i think i'm gonna go to the johnny cash museum when i'm in nashville in a couple months oh there you go I, yeah, that, that was one of the things we talked about oh it's another big underscore bane song um in the marbles that's what i come out to see okay no. <laughs> now i was gonna say like i was gonna say that but now no, I don't want to be like, no it's <laughs> it would probably be sweet emotion by aerosmith oh okay yeah. and um shame on ross chastain for not coming out to watermelon crawl shame <sighs> on him I mean, it was right there. I know. It was right there. How do you not do that? I don't know. Well, maybe because the first first line is if you if you drink, don't drive. So that's probably not not really NASCAR friendly. If you drink, don't drive to the watermelon crawl. I don't. That might not have flown. But anyway, let's get into the All Star Weekend. I think the Open went about as about how you would expect it to go. Um, there were some surprises as far as uh, some chaos that ensued, like Tyler Reddick. I think everybody expected Tyler Reddick to win one of these stages or get the fan vote, which I think he was going to get the fan vote. But something was happening off of turn four, and it happened a few times where if you were in the middle groove off turn four, you would hit a bump just right, and you'd spin the car out. And it happened a few times out there. It happened a few times to big named superstars like Tyler Reddick. When I think of when I say Tyler Reddick, I think of right up next to the wall, getting every bit of that momentum that he can get so he can launch himself down these straightaways. I watched that happen and getting into turn three, it almost looked like he was a little too high. I mean, you could probably say that he was probably in the marbles (laughs) um, a little bit, but it just you could just see his front tires just move and and just, you know uh, try to correct it and he went farther up and up and up and I thought oh my goodness and there he went he backed her up into the fence and his day was done very very shocked and I definitely one hundred percent would bet my entire life savings yeah he was going to be only a, which is only a nickel uh-huh. um, that he was going to get that fan vote yeah he was going to be in the all-star race uh if it wasn't for his problems either he was going to win one of these stages or he was going to get the fan vote and oh yeah so the open kind of indicated what we were going to be seeing i was a little worried when two laps into a run everybody got spread out so far i was like okay maybe we just gotta get these really fast cars out of here and then we'll see something but we never really saw anything after that in the open everything was always it was two laps of 
halfway decent racing and then everything got so spread out. Clean air was mm. critical in this race this weekend. You had to get out front. If you were not out front, you couldn't get really within six to eight car lengths of anybody. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know what we mean by clean air, do you want to go and explain to the listeners what clean air is all well, about? When you're the cars are set up in a way where they go around the racetrack, they are um, by themselves, they are getting the maximum amount of downforce they can get. The air going over the front is doing what it needs to do. It's moving to the back. It's putting pressure on the back of the car, the spoiler, planting the car to the ground. And it gives you the absolute most downforce and fastest setup you're going to have around these little mile and a half tracks. There's no like drafting with this. It's, they're not going fast enough for long, long periods of time and straight lines to be drafting. So when you have a car in front of you, it's changing the air pressure around you. It's making the air dirty it's moving it around in ways that you don't feel when you're by yourself some tracks it isn't really apparent you don't see it and as a result on the uh, racetrack some of them you do if you ever notice somebody can get right up underneath somebody's uh, rear quarter panel and never touch them but spin them out it's because you're packing air underneath the rear of that car and like i said you could never touch them but enough air came went underneath that car and lifted them up and spun them out. Air does all sorts of crazy things. In fact, I think Ryan Blaney was actually mad at Austin Cindric at one point in this race because he took his air away. Yeah. And he bumped them after the race because of it. I wanted to scream. I was like, dude, he took your air away. That's <laughs> racing. You take advantage yeah. of situations like that. He didn't bump you. He didn't touch you. He just got into a certain spot around you where you had to get off the gas because you were getting too free. That's racing. That's right. how you pass somebody at this level because everybody is at max down force and everybody is doing the absolute best they can possibly do. And in order to pass somebody that's doing that well, like you were, you have to upset their car and being teammates that he didn't touch them. I don't know. I, that, that was overkill to me, but yeah, when you follow a guy, and the air is really dirty, it takes the downforce off your car and it changes the way it handles. And you can't get to that car because all of a sudden you're slower. And that was right. critical at this race this weekend. It didn't matter if you took two tires, four tires, no tires. If you were out front, you could get away a little bit. Mm -hmm. There was like one instance where that didn't work. And I think it was because the car was on absolutely old tires and everybody else had four tires. Are you talking about Corey LeJoy? Yes. I, I was so cheering for him. I was like, go, Corey. Go. I always like seeing the did. seven uh, getting victory lane. I always like that number seven. And I think he's actually working out of Alan Kowicki's old shop. He so is. Yeah. Um, that's so much fun to see that car do well. Absolutely. And Corey LaJoy, man, he, he's been grinding. For, uh, and he's just, I don't know. He's a lovable character of a NASCAR driver. Mm -hmm. Like he's just super, you know, um, he actually has his own podcast. I don't know. He just, he's such a cool, he seems like such a cool guy to hang out with. If I ever got the chance to, I totally would. Yeah. Kind of going back to the Ryan Blaney, Austin centric. I don't know why I call him centric. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I will continue doing that knowing that his name is Cindric. Anyways, um, <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Hmm. It was, I don't know what track it was, but it was like Danny Hamlin and, and Danica Patrick. Yeah, Do you remember, I remember the aftermath remember that? of that. I remember the conversation in the <laughs> how Denny was like trying to explain what NASCAR is to, to Dan Patrick. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, <laughs> it's, 
Uh, it was like still... anytime Danica got around Denny, she got loose or something like that. And yeah. then he's like, <laughs> we're racing. Like, I don't, I can't do anything to, to that. You have to fix your car. If you're that loose around somebody, you have to fix your car. Cause I think this was She's... like a, a bigger track. You know, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it was quite the same situation like Hamlin purposely trying to get her loose. Right. He's trying to teach her. <laughs> it's like, I think I want to say it was Michigan. I have no idea. I just remember the, I remember the conversation in the pits after the fact, because there's a lot of YouTube compilation videos oh. with that conversation on it. Oh man. Which, I, uh... By the way, speaking of YouTube, I know a lot of people put their opinions out there on YouTube and stuff. And when we usually record, it's all out there. I try my best not to watch any of that stuff until after we record some of it just infuriates me, but others is like, you're going overboard with your take. And oh, yeah. some of it is just, you're trying to create controversy when there isn't none, no need to create controversy this weekend, but Oh yeah, yeah it's all there. NASCAR <laughs> provided plenty of it for us. Yes, they did. But um, I try my best not to watch that kind of stuff before we record because I don't want that opinion swaying this opinion here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so we had tire issues galore again, plenty of tire issues. And Bubba Wallace had crew issues again. He had to come in over and over and one time specifically for a loose wheel again. You know, he might actually be fairly decent if his crew would keep him on the racetrack. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that one. I'm beginning to think it ain't his fault. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but but his crew, uh, his pit crew is definitely not... Um, helping them by any stretch of the imagination They're not. So. they need to swap crews or they need to mix some things around between him and the 45 and i don't know just try to even it out some because 45 doesn't have that much trouble on pit road mm -mm. i mean granted they always seem to you know wreck together but yeah. they don't seem to have that much trouble on pit road as opposed to 23 the 23 is awful on pit road awful <laughs> kyle bush had him a tire mm. issue while leading Gosh, won the man. first stage and i thought your pick was good you were gonna have a good weekend nope. i was happy for you he's gonna dominate this whole race win every stage that's what i thought Cowboys is gonna lead every lap unless it was a pit stop involved you know where somebody took two and he took four or something yeah. i said good good for ethan he's gonna get to watch his favorite driver win this race at this big event win a million bucks he he Got to see him sit on the pole. I mean, you weren't there for the, the qualifying, but <laughs> right. but we watched all that on TV, and and you got to see him start from the pole. Fun times. Yeah. Well, at least it happened coming off of turn four and on the straightaway where he popped a tire. Unfortunately, he had cars going side by side behind him, and they had to make a decision on because Kyle Busch is going a good 20, 30 miles an hour slower than them at this point. Kyle Busch made a decision. Nobody's fault with this. This is just something that happened. Uh, decisions were made, and they weren't the right ones. It isn't like anybody takes the blame for this to me, personally. I didn't I didn't feel that way. But he's going slow, and he's kind of in the middle of the racetrack with a flat tire. And you got these two guys behind him running side by side. Ross Chastain on the inside, and I believe Cindric on the out. No, Cindric passed him. I don't know who that was on the out. Ryan Blaney, maybe. Might have been Ryan Blaney. And Ryan Blaney was on the high side. He just stuck it to the wall. He just stuck to the wall to go around him. Ross Chastain said, well, he's in the middle of the track. I'm going to go low. And the minute he went low, Kyle Busch said, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to go low. They did at the exact same time. And here comes Ross Chastain. And he ramps over the left rear of that car, almost flips it, sends it straight yeah. up the racetrack in turn one, hits uh, Chase Elliott, spins him out, ruins three huge contenders for this race. 
Yeah. I mean, and then right before that, Kyle Larson popped a tire and he's out. So immediately the four favorites to me, other than William Byron, I think William Byron was my other favorite, but the four, four big names in this race, three of the favorites in this race to me are gone. Yeah. And such unfortunate circumstances. How close, where were you with that wreck? Where were you sitting? Were you closer to where that happened? Uh, no, I was closer to turn four. I was a little, I was a good way away from the start finish line. Did, so what did you notice it when it happened? Uh, what happened with Kyle Busch? I didn't at first. Um, it's kind of funny, not funny at all, actually, but it's kind of ironic because I knew Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson were, were on the same tire strategy. And when Kyle Larson blew his tire, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, no. I was like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's that fine. one was weird. You don't see that many right front tires go right now. Right now, it's usually left rears or right rears. Right. And I was like, oh, man, like, no, no, it's not going to happen. Three three laps to go in stage two. No, it's fine. He'll be fine. And I'll, man, man, I'll tell you, as soon as I thought that, like, I had a thought of how disappointing would it be if I drove six hours just to see Kyle Busch wreck. Mm-hmm. And I won't tell you, but maybe uh, like a good five seconds later, I'm looking in turn four and everybody starts pointing towards turn one. So I look over and I see the bottom of Ross Chastain's car. <laughs> and I was like, oh no. And then of course that really smoking hot girl that was sitting next to me, she was like all laughing and stuff. And I was like, what just happened? You know? So watched the replays and I was like, son of a gun. I it was disappointing. I walked to the kitchen. I can see the TV from my kitchen. I walked to the kitchen uh, because I was like, Kyle Busch has got this. He's he's ahead by like a second and a half. No problem. I went to the kitchen because it was like two or three laps to go. And I went to, uh, to get my daughter's bath ready. Uh, She's small enough. So where we bathe her uh, in a little tub that sits in the sink, makes it easier. So we don't have to bend over and all that. She's still small enough where we can do that. Not too much longer, but she's still small enough where we can do that. (laughs) So I was going in to get her bath ready because I'm about to put her to bed. And I look back at the TV and I see I see that one car flying through the air. I'm like, yeah, what happened? What happened to Chastain? And I saw Bush. I was like, well, what happened to Bush? Well, he was just leaning. <laughs> what is this? I texted you. And the only thing you told me is like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I you texted me. You said, what did you say? Dude. I said, dude. Dude, and I was like, I'm not ready to talk about this yet. I'm still crying. <laughs> I'm still in my emotions. That was rough. So that was rough. He had it. it. And uh after that, since all the front runners were out, guess who decided to dominate? Ford. Yes. We just went on a little rant last week how we're how Fords are awful. We're not gonna pick any Fords. I don't want to touch a Ford right now. And then they end up starting the final stage, one, two, three. <laughs> And not only just force it, it was Pinsky. Yeah. I mean, like, for, oh I mean, Roush, uh, Roush Keselowski did that too, though. I mean, they were both of them were in the top seven. Yeah, I, that's true. I don't know what to say. I mean, Fords came to play, I guess, but yeah, it's, it's easy now, when the top guys get crashed out too. Well, that's very true. <laughs> um, and I think that's another reason why I love NASCAR so much is because, you know, it's unpredictable. You know, we just counted the Fords out last week. Here they are first three out of i don't know top three out of the top five is is fords 
you know, and yeah, I think Ford I think ended up Penske winning the race. Had three of the top five. I think all three of the Penske's are in the top five. I don't think Logano got that guy. I think uh, who was it, Suarez? I don't think he got Suarez at the end. I think he still finished fifth. I didn't. I don't have the rundown with me right now, but yeah, three of the top five for Penske. That's that's crazy. My pick, yeah, finished second. Your pick would have won. I'm sure he would have won if he hadn't yeah. had a flat tire. I thought for a minute my pick is about. I still think. My pick is going to inherit this win. I don't think it's over. And I'll, I'll talk about that in just a sec. But the end of this race, Blaney takes off. He absolutely he just takes off. He's he's going to win this race by like two, two and a half, three seconds. He's gone. Everybody's complaining. This is boring. The whole race has been pretty boring except for the chaos. When chaos happens, it's fun. When there's no chaos, everybody gets spread out. Nobody can pass anybody. And they've been saying that all over the radio all night long. Car's great. Can't pass anybody. Every single driver was saying that. So if you were out front, you were good. Take off. Cool. Then on the last lap, because the rules of this race is a little different, taking the white flag doesn't end the race if there's a caution. Taking the checkered flag ends the race. That's it. So if the caution comes out on the white flag, they do an overtime, which is a two-lap shootout is what they call overtime. The 47 car hit the wall coming off of turn two on the last lap. Everybody got by them. No problems. Nobody's going to come in contact with them because by the time the, the next guys come around, they'll be at slower speed because of checkered flag. And the 47 is not stopped. He's moving. He's coming onto the pit road or he's going to finish the race. One to two. Literally, what, 150 feet from the start finish line? Yeah. They threw a caution flag. It was, in my opinion, and you could hear it on the broadcast. You should go back and listen to the end of this race if you can. They're so scared to say it that Clint Boyer pretty much comes out and says he doesn't like this. Mike Joy does too. They deliberately manufactured a finish of this race because Ryan Blaney was going to win by three seconds. And they said, well, this isn't very exciting. We need an excuse to throw a caution. Oh, he hit the wall. Oh, he's out of the way. Oh, well, he hit the wall. Caution. They wanted this green-white checkered because they wanted people excited about the end of this race. It nearly screwed Ryan Blaney out of a race. It nearly cost him $1 million for them to do that. And it wasn't like I was cheering for Ryan Blaney to win or cheering against him to win. I just wanted to watch a decent race. I don't mind Ryan Blaney. He won the Talladega race I went to a couple of years ago. He's cool. He's fun to watch. I mean, he about lost it three or four times in this race, and he still wound up winning it. Yeah. I just, <sighs> I don't like it when NASCAR takes it out of the driver's hands and just mm. creates excitement for the sake of creating excitement. This isn't pro wrestling. Right. And this is a legitimate sport where people are competing against each other. My opinion, because of that, I don't know how much you could see out there. Because of that, Ryan Blaney went across the start finish line, and there was no caution flag waving. It's just the lights were on. But he only got to see yeah. one light, so he didn't notice it. It was at the start finish line. He's winning the race. He just won a million dollars. He unstraps his window net, and he's out there like fist pumping and all that. And then they come on the radio and said, they're redoing it. That was a caution. You didn't win. He's like, you got to be kidding me. So he tries to put the window net back up and you can't do that from inside the car. They said it several times on the race, um, on the race broadcast, they have the strongest crew member they have to put up this window net because it has to be stretched so hard and so far to get into place because it needs to be tight as tight as it can be. Otherwise it's not going to work. Right. And it's something you can't do inside. The only thing they're designed to do inside is open it. So he's sitting out there for three or four pace laps, trying his best to get something going. He has like the, a Velcro strap to kind of strap it up. The back isn't hooked in anymore at one point. 
and they go out there and race and his window net's half in half not in but it's up so they race and it wasn't i think half a lap that window net was completely down so he raced the last yeah. lap with no window net that makes yeah I, I didn't see that yeah and hamlin saw it oh yeah. because I mean, you could I'll, I'll read his quotes there was a little bit of a controversy for it because here's the rule i got this from uh dustin long all window net assembly fasteners must be properly tightened and remain tight during an event the window net must remain flat and tight when in raised position bunching twisting or rolling of the window net is not permitted all one inch square openings must remain one inch square openings when in raised position. This is what Hamlin said after the race. I nearly crashed Blaney. If I send him in the traffic and he has no window net, then what? That's the rule. I don't know what we're talking about here. That's not a judgment call. You got to play by the rules. So it's not like, and he later on to say he's glad Ryan Blaney won because of how the caution fell at the end, because he yeah. said there should not have been a caution. They're, they're, that was dumb. The dumbest thing they did was throw a caution. And Hamlin knows that. He's not whining because he didn't win a million dollars. He's complaining. He's in a weird spot because he's looking petty in some places. And in some places, he's looking like, I just want to follow the rules. Right. If you have rules, let's use them. And the rule is you cannot race without a window net. And if he ran that last lap without a window net, technically he needs to be disqualified. Right. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm completely on Denny Hamlin's side on this one. Uh, not just because you know Ryan Blaney drives a Ford, and, and I'm a very pro Toyota uh, guy, but I mean, no, he's completely right. Uh, I mean, he's. Are we gonna go back to 1994 and and credit Mark Martin for the Bristol race that he mistakenly thought he won, and then he started coming down the pit road on the white flag and ended up not winning the race? See, that was a mistake. Hamlin tweeted that, and that makes him look petty. You know, that makes him look, that's what I talk about. Like some, some things he's saying makes him look really petty about the situation. And then some things he's saying makes him look frustrated that we're not following rules the same way every week. And yeah. I see both of it. Are we talking Mar Richard Petty no. or Lee? No. Lee oh. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Petty. I see yeah. what you mean. Like, petty. Yeah, not, not a name. <laughs> a uh, an attribute of himself it makes him look yeah. petty i feel like he needs to shut up he said his point everybody knows where he's coming from but now it's making it seem like that he's trying to push for disqualification and he's genuinely um i don't know how to say it other than he's, he's he seems petty about the whole situation and he needs to be quiet we know what he feels you know on on my side i i'm all for denny hamlin you know, being completely outspoken. You know why? Because man, those driver intros, Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin start. They're kind of creeping up on Kyle Busch on the booze. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of people that cheer for Denny Hamlin anymore. I don't know why. I like Denny. Um, Hamlin. I don't. You know what? I'm okay with him because he's a Toyota driver. Um, but ah, man, I don't know. <laughs> I I think I see what a lot of people see in Kyle Busch that are not Kyle Busch fans. I see the same thing in Denny Hamlin. Mm -hmm. If it's Kyle Busch, Christopher Bell, and, and Denny Hamlin all battling for a race win, I'm definitely cheering for Kyle Busch. And then I'm definitely cheering for Christopher Bell. But if Hamlin's going and against Fords, you're pulling for Hamlin. I'm all for Hamlin. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So it's it's just like, you know, 
getting a Toyota in Victor Lane is pretty important for me. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of explain that hopefully a little bit more on the next episode of in the marbles, but yeah, it's, I, I think it's awesome. Um, you know, talk to your talk, walk your walk. You know, I, I feel like that's what NASCAR is missing is a little bit of pettiness. I want these drivers to be upset. I want these drivers to be, you know, mad at each other, you know, Oh, he took my airway. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Show that frustration and go take it back. You know what I mean? Like I want there to be a fire lit under these drivers because I feel like there's absolutely no personality in NASCAR, except you have Ross Chastain. Uh, he's getting there, but AJ Allmendinger is extremely energetic mm-hmm. and he's very outspoken. I love that. And I'm not saying that we need like 40 of the goofiest goofballs. I'm saying like, man, just show your you know personality a little bit. Clint Boyer was really good at that. Um, like I said, Michael uh, Walter was another one. Kenny Wallace. My, yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, all these really cool drivers were like, you know, they actually had personalities, you know, you get like, you know, like Ryan Newman was one that just kind of come on, dude. Like he just kept his, you know, kept his head down and just, uh, just waiting to see what Max going to do. <laughs> you went to the, like, you went to the door. You're going to bark. <laughs> no. Hey, Matt. And I, th- <laughs> I think that's like a big why I'm a big fan of Noah Gregson as well. He's he's very personal, uh, you know, has a really big personality and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know these cup drivers, man. You have to. I and Kyle Busch is probably more serious than what he needs to be, and I'd like to see him have a. He still has fun but on, because, like, if he if yeah. he wins a race, he'll he'll look at the camera and do the little fake cry, and he'll bow yeah. at all the the people out there, you know, when they're booing. Yeah, him. Like, so, so he still has fun with it. Yeah, and like social media, like Kyle Bush is like a completely different person off the racetrack, and you can kind of see that on his Instagram and Twitter and stuff. Um, but yeah, like I just wish more drivers, you know, had you know bigger personalities. Is what I'm saying. Mac agrees with you. Mac, come here. Yeah, absolutely, come Mac. Here. Get away from the door. There's nothing out there. <laughs> Mac, come here. Come here. There's nothing there. You're not. You're protecting me from nothing. It's fine. So anyway, that's my thoughts on the finish of the uh, NASCAR race. It sounds like me and you pretty much are on the same page with that. There should yeah. not have been a caution oh, at no. all. <laughs> How did that go over in the stands? Oh, uh, very confused. Um, at that point, and I don't know why. Normally on the white flag, you'll see a lot of people pick up their stuff and leave. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, Blaney had was- a three-second lead. Well, yeah, that's true. But, I mean, that's like the best. That's the pinnacle moment of the race right there. Um, but, yeah, there was a lot of confusion. Uh, I didn't know until – so I didn't realize what was going on until Ryan Blaney was trying to get the window net back up. So I was picking up my stuff and trying – once again, one last desperate attempt to get this girl's phone number. <laughs> um, and you know what? Like, I'm glad I, I did. I'm glad I failed at that because if I would have probably left and didn't even know what was going on. Um, and I heard the uh, PA announcer say, hold on, this isn't over. And I'm like, what What do you, what? So I started looking around and everybody started talking and then we kind of figured it out. But man, it was. I was trying to keep you in the loop too because I figured you <sighs> didn't know a whole lot about what was going on because yeah. in the stands, it's a different thing than when you're getting fed all this information straight from the TV. 
Yeah. I was trying uh, my exactly. best to keep you in the loop. I hope I helped you out a little bit. Yes, you did. You helped out a lot because everybody around me were just as confused as I was. So I got those text messages from you and I was like kind of filling everybody in with it, you know, around me. And, and I thought I was going to, you know, look like Prince Charming for this girl. <laughs> and it didn't work, man. She was so hot. Oh my gosh. Okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just a whole bunch of confusion. So the all-star race this past weekend, last week we didn't go into it because we ran so long. What are some of your favorite all-star races from the past? Uh, I have a few from me. Mostly they're going to be in the 90s because I feel like, I don't know, I just kind of feel like the all-star race was better <laughs> in the 90s, but I don't. that's just maybe my childhood nostalgia. Uh, what are some all-star races that you remember from the past? So some of my favorite all-star moments you know kind of alluding to what we were talking about last week it has to be back when like everybody had like special paint schemes i remember i don't know if it was the all-star race but um i a, a handful of drivers had like looney tune paint schemes yes i remember that I, I, yeah. and they did that for richmond too i think yes richmond um so I don't really particularly have a certain a certain what? nothing <laughs> uh, like a certain all star race um, probably probably um, twenty seventeen uh, with, uh, with uh, Kyle. Keep going, keep going. You're good. Uh, <laughs> with uh kyle bush one um well you know i mean i guess i can say this one was my favorite since it's the only one i've been to so uh good question i'm not really sure i don't know where i oh that's not right i don't know where i lay on that uh on that question but i'll say 2022 all-star texas oh okay. you said so memory right. yeah right? memories oh gosh i thought what you are we <laughs> I thought you meant race. Okay, you're you're distracting me. <laughs> um, memories. Okay, <laughs> memories. All right. Um, Story time with Ethan. Let's go. Oh man, I am so discombobulated right now with a lack of sleep and like rowdy energy and guitars playing. Uh, All star. Take off. All star. Uh, man, I'm struggling. Yeah, okay, I okay, I have one. Uh when Dale Earnhardt, your favorite driver, uh, <laughs> raced the that multicolored it looked like paint splashes. You're talking about like the tie-dye looking thing? Yeah. So I don't think that was the all-star race. What? <laughs> what I'm was pretty that? sure that was a Daytona five hundred. No. I'm pretty sure that was a Peter Max car, and I think it was two thousand Daytona. Are we talking about the same one? Are you, you're talking about the neon one, right? The uh, tie-dye looking thing? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Hang on. Um, yeah, I got to look it up too now. 2000 Daytona Earnhardt. No, he actually ran the coca No, no, I, there's a picture of him right here in the Peter Max car next to... Uh, no, you're right. How about that? I thought oh. that was Daytona. Well, hot I dog. guess that was the Coca-Cola car I'm thinking of. <laughs> A, a blind right. squirrel gets a nut on on a hot Wednesday every other Tuesday. 
I think it was two thousand that he did that. Um, like I think ninety nine was a Wrangler car. Yeah, but yeah, that was a weird car for him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The two thousand All Star car. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I loved, loved, loved that race car. Um, I don't remember seeing this on on the track, but I remember watching uh, old footage about it and like seeing it and stuff. Um, definitely my, just because I can't think of anything else on, on the spot, that will be my favorite All Star memory. Mine was ninety two. Uh, the first time under the lights with Davey Allison winning. That was the second win in a row. I know you actually posted a little tweet. That's why you were like never a Kyle Petty fan. Oh, yeah. He, he crashed. Yes. And he, he absolutely crashed Davey on purpose. 100%. There's no other way that you could do that because it was coming to the line. He was mad because he was about to win this race. And actually, I don't think he touched Earnhardt. It looked like it was an air issue with Earnhardt. Like, I just think he got close enough to him where it took the air off of him. But when Davey come off the corner and beat him to the line, he got mad and turned Davey nearly head first, but driver's side into the wall at a bad angle. And yeah. Davey woke up in the hospital. Yeah. Um, ugh, Never got gosh. to go to victory lane. Uh, never. Yeah, that's... I'm not going to say it's a good moment, but, like, that's a good good. It's um, a, a timeless Winston moment. That's there what we go. They used to call the race the Winston. Timeless. By the way, it they used to call this race the Winston race, and they used to then they then changed it to the Nextel All Star race or Sprint uh -huh. All Star race. Now it's just the All Star race. They just took sponsors out of it. Yeah, but it used to be called the Winston. Yeah, that's a moment that I always remember, and I always remember uh, Dale Earnhardt in that silver car coming off a of turn four in the final segment with Daryl Waltrip on the outside of him. And Dale Earnhardt just running Daryl Watchup into the wall and causing a big melee on the front straightaway. Yeah. I always remember that. <laughs> and I'll remember Jeff Gordon dominating the 1998 Winston and that chrome illusion car that changed colors as it went around the racetrack just to run out of fuel on the last lap and oh. Mark Martin pass him and take the win. I will always remember that. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Because I was a big Mark Martin fan. I like Mark Martin. I you're think also, everybody likes Mark Martin. You're also a really big Dale Earnhardt fan, too. You know, I hated that he did that to Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip actually had a chance to win that race. Yeah. You know, Michael <laughs> Waltrip had a good Winston one night. He, I yeah. think he was the first one to come out of the Open and win the All-Star race. If I'm not mistaken, I think because he won the Open and that Wood Brothers, it was a Red 21. Well, uh, yeah. I think it was 96 when this happened. He come out of the Open and wound up winning the whole thing at the end. And he jokes about how fast that money went, because I think he won uh, $250,000 at the time. Uh-huh. And he was like, it was gone by, by like Monday or something like that. That was uh, that was an interesting race, too, because Michael Washington never won a race before and, yeah. and, and, at that point. And he wound up winning the uh, All-Star race. Is that it? Any other memories of the uh, All-Star? Uh you know, some honorable mention is Carl Edwards tearing up his front end of his car on a celebration. But <laughs> I, I, I remember that. I think man. he did it on purpose. I don't think he did it on purpose at <laughs> all. But but uh, I think he definitely had fun with it after after. You he know, was, they do that on purpose, right? What? Oh well, yeah. Right now it's back. You know, I've heard Jimmy Johnson, Chad and say that. Hey, Jimmy, yeah. if you win, back this thing into the wall, okay? Yeah, I mean, I know they, they do that. <laughs> and I mean, knowing Roush, I mean, probably. 
but I don't know if it I don't know if he meant to do that or not. Um, either way, you know, he definitely didn't have to go through inspection. Nope. So, good way to solidify a win, uh, an all-star win, anyways. Let's see. I, there's one more I can think of that was interesting. It was Fox's first broadcast of it, where they all went down to turn one to start the race, and it had poured rain all of a sudden, right when they got the green flag and the track was wet and half the field wrecked. <laughs> Do you remember that? Um, it was 2001. Jeff Gordon went went in the race because they, they got the track dry, and everybody that wrecked got to go to backup cars. I don't remember that. Yeah, they went to turn one. It's, it's uh, DW's famous call. Well, everybody's crashing. The track is wet, you know. Oh, is that where that come, came yeah. from? Yeah. Oh, okay. I I know that audio, but I didn't know that's what the situation was. So that was fun. That was, that was an interesting. Uh, kudos to NASCAR for actually allowing, you know, things to happen. Not like, you know, not allowing Ron Blaney to come back on pit road and get his window net put up. Yeah. But that is Oof. over now. So unless we hear something different this week, Ryan Blaney is your winner with that. Yep. Absolutely. So this weekend is one of the biggest weekends in American motorsports. You have the Indianapolis 500, which I'm kind of following. I don't, I don't usually follow it that hard, but I do watch it every year. I watch it. It's pretty much the only IndyCar race I watch from start to finish. Yeah. And then after that, you got the Coca-Cola 600. Sometimes people do doubles. Not this year. Uh, I don't know if the scheduling lines up for that nowadays. It used to line up for it where you pretty much had to leave the track the minute you were done with the Indy 500 and fly to Charlotte. And then you could jump in. You'll miss the driver's meetings and all that. So you have to start at the back. Right. But you could do the Coca-Cola 600 right after it. I know. I think John Andretti's done it. I think Tony Stewart's done it. I can't uh, think of other people. Who, Robbie who Gordon. Robbie Gordon's done it, yes. I thought did, John Andretti did it. Did Kurt Busch do it one year? Kurt Busch did it. Maybe, I don't know if John Andretti did. I, he did. John he Andretti did? was, okay. yeah, John Andretti did it before Tony. Yeah. He did it in the mid-90s. Um, he didn't have near the, the success as Tony Stewart did. I think Tony Stewart's been the most successful driver to do that. Yeah. I think he's, I, weren't they both top five finishes or something like that? I believe so, actually. It'd be neat if somebody could do it one year and actually win both of them. But oh my gosh, that, know, I don't think you can do it anymore. Honestly, that's asking a lot. Well, I mean, top fives. I mean, two top fives out of the two races. That's pretty good. Yeah, means he had a chance. Let's but see. anyway, well, you're looking it up. Yeah, trying to. I know Donnie Allison and Tim Richmond ran the Indy 500, but I don't think they did doubles. Well, this is completely inaccurate because. Saying that Kyle Bush did, and that's not you true. Know, wrong Bush. Yep. I don't know. I'm not going to waste any more time with this. So um, I know Robbie Gordon, John Andretti, Tony Stewart, um, Kurt Bush. I don't know. That's probably really annoying to anybody listening. So I'm gonna stop. <laughs> it's not annoying to me. I think it's funny just to have random guitar riffs. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't so play the guitar, by the way. I can't. I know like three chords. That's all I do. And I know you can play like 50 songs with three chords, but that's all. I can play Baby Shark. That's... <laughs> I can sing Baby Shark. Not very well, but. No, you can't. <clears throat> if you know Baby Shark, you have kids. No. No. You know Baby Shark? Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't know Baby Shark? Are you talking about the one of those? 
Baby well, I guess shark, my, my, do, do, my do, do, one and a half year old knows baby shark, so I guess everybody needs to know baby shark. Is that the right one? Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. When I was a kid, it wasn't a shark, though. It was an alligator. An alligator? Yeah. yeah. When I was a kid, uh, this youth pastor would come around and sing um, in, in the schools and stuff, do some songs for the, the students. And one of them was uh, Gator, uh, Gator Alert, is what it was called. And it was kind of like Baby Shark, a little different, but it was gators. It wasn't wasn't sharks. So so it went baby gator. No, no, it went more like uh baby gator do 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 baby gator do do and then go on through the things. Are you talking okay? So there's a song, and I mean I'm not old, so I'm not really sure, but it's like are you saying I'm old? no no. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm gonna have to. It was there on Full House. I'm not old, so I don't know it like you do. <laughs> it was on Full House. Um. Oh no. Oh, it's like something chirp. Baby chirp. Beluga. Are you thinking of that? No, one? not that one. Um. Yes, I know Full House enough to know there's a Baby Beluga song on there. It was like something with chirping. You're not talking about Rock and Robin, are you? Oh, that's it, Rock oh and Robin. Yeah. That's not even a Full House thing. That's just oh, a song. Oh, I thought it was on. <laughs> I thought it was from Full House. Oh, well, Jesse oh. and the Rippers did that one day in the uh, living room. Yes, that's what I'm. That's what that reminded me of. Oh man, that was a stretch. I wasn't gonna get there. Thank you for that assist. <laughs> <laughs> no, not a chance. Oh, okay, that that went completely off the rails there. Woo. So we have the Coca-Cola 600. This weekend, I know it's Monday, right? So yeah. picks are going to be interesting. Have you thought about at all who you're picking for the race this weekend? No, I have not picked or I haven't chose. Well, think about it for a minute. We're going to go ahead and do that in a second. I want to read the tweet that I put out on in the marbles. So we have our little thing going where. We keep up with the picks and the average finishes. I'm catching up, dude. I know you are. I'm catching up very quickly. Straight from the uh, straight from the Twitter feed, Ethan's pick, Kyle Busch finished 21st. Shame he had it. He had it. He was going to win. You're going to have your first win. Bringing his average finish of the year. Yours, not Kyle Busch's. Your average finish of the year to a 10.29 when you were under 10 last week. Soda's pick, Danny Hamlin, finished second. I have I have gone up over two positions in the okay. last two weeks with a second and a third. Bringing my total so far to 11.86, I am 1.6 behind you. It, one race, I could do I could be there. Yeah. In one race, could. I could be there. It's and so not, far, only one of us have a win, and that's me. Yeah. <clears throat> not until... Not until this weekend, pal. <laughs> so yeah, if you if you have your you pick, pick, yeah, that's right. I go first. Yeah, you go first. Well, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> it's Monday. <laughs> it just happened last night. Who are you going to pick going into Charlotte? I don't want to choose based off of what happened to Texas because Texas is such a weird Completely anomaly. Um, let's see. I cannot pick Denny Hamlin, and I don't think I would anyway. I'm going to pick William Byron. No. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding? Out of everybody, you're going to pick William yeah. Byron? Out of oh. 40 cars that would be racing, I am going to pick William Byron. 
Gosh dang it. As I was upset last week that I didn't pick him for this race. Now it wound up being okay because Hamlin finished ahead of Byron anyway. Are you kidding me? Okay. I have a I have a feeling about Byron. He I think he was on the verge of winning this one if things had been a little better on track. He Gosh, didn't have any issues, man. did he, this past week? Did Byron have issues as far as like a wreck or a flat or anything? I haven't slept yet. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm honestly, I'm not too sure. Um, I'm still trying to rack my brain on who I'm going to pick now because William Byron was my guy. Um, uh, who else? Um, okay, not Kyle Bush. Oh, gosh. This is unreal. Out of everybody, you chose William Byron. Um, <laughs> why, don't, why don't we just go half? And and I'll pick William Byron too. No. no. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, I cannot. I literally cannot think of anybody right now. I don't want. I don't want to go Larson because like I'm just so tired of picking like Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. There's a particular 2311 driver that's doing pretty good right now. No, you know who I'm gonna go with? Mm. I'm gonna go with Martin Truex Jr. Okay. I like that. He knows how to get it done on the, the Coke 600. So, oh, yeah, doesn't he have the record for most la- most laps led in the 600? That he won 2020, I believe. Um, he knows how to get it done on Charlotte. So, I'm. You know what? That's okay. I'll take Martin Truex Jr. Very cool. So this this race is interesting because you're adding an extra hundred miles. So what would normally be in a three and a half hour, four hour race turns into like a five, five and a half hour race. It's a true endurance style race. What are some of your um, favorite Coca-Cola 600 memories? Do you have any off the top of your head? Coke 600. Um, Listen, you know, I don't know how people do this. You know, they do podcasts on no sleep and energy drinks and (laughs) I cannot. I Your brain's not working right now. Okay, I seriously, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Like, I do not feel. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm here right now. Um, so I think for me, the like the best memories, at least for Texas. But because like, if if you don't know, I'm right, like real a, quick. Coco six hundred Charlotte. I so okay. You said Texas. Did I say Texas? Oh yeah. gosh, David. Okay. <laughs> Uh, let me bring this guitar back out oh my gosh <laughs> i i feel like my brain is melting right now ladies and gentlemen ethan has hit the wall i have i have he is in the marbles <laughs> he is in the wall oh run out flat right rear oh Mustaine man has ramped over his car and, and keselowski's in the catch fence oh good lord okay so for people that don't know, uh, I'm super into like America. I love America. I love our country and all that stuff and soldiers and stuff. Um, kind of like Texas, uh, the all-star race last night. Uh, it was very, really like the pre-race when they were doing the national anthem and they had um, the skydivers and then the helicopters come in. Oh man, it was, it just pumped me up. So that uh, looks fun. That looked fun to watch. I was hyped. Like I was so hyped. I looked behind me and I told this uh, old couple, I was like, let's go. Like, I mean, I was, I was hyped for it. Um, but I think NASCAR does such an amazing job when it comes to military and, uh, you know, making our troops feel special. And that really kind of hits with me. 
I've never been in the military. I've, I've, you know, never, I have no ties to the military, but like, I'm so thankful and so grateful for all the men and women that fight for our country. Um, I think the most special moments for me, um, is off the racetrack. That's, you know, the pre-race stuff with, with the military, uh, appreciation and, uh, and all that stuff. So that's probably where I'm going to go with it. Yeah. As far as military goes, my brother, uh, he served, he, um, he took several trips overseas to the Middle East. I can't even tell you how many he took or exactly oh. where he went. Maybe I'm not supposed to tell you exactly where he went. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> God, stressful, stressful times, especially yeah. when, you know, you can tell like if he calls us and something happens and you can, you can hear it in his voice. Yeah. That something happened and he lost some friends or there was some people, you know, in a, maybe a group close to him that, that got killed and you can, you can hear it. Yeah. When you talk to him and then there's some things obviously he can't tell us. Yeah. Big appreciation uh, for the military. Just, and this weekend is all about that. Memorial yes. day. I know Indianapolis, they put on a good pre-race uh, as far as that goes. I love the playing of taps in Indianapolis and in the Indy 500. That's an amazing moment in all oh, of yeah. motorsports. Since chills every time you watch that. I'm oh, a, absolutely. That's probably my, one of my favorite pre-brace moments, period, of any pre-brace moment, honestly. Oh, for sure. Better than them singing uh, in home in Indi- or back home in Indiana. Better than that, to me. It, them playing taps on Memorial Day weekend, just it, it does it. A lot of really good Americana-style pre-race at Charlotte, too. And you'll also see a lot of good red, white, and blue paint jobs this weekend. You tend to see most of the patriotic stuff this weekend when it comes to the car designs. That's always... That's always an, uh, a fun aesthetic when it comes to this race. As far as a memory goes for the actual Coca-Cola 600, one of my favorite memories is seeing Bobby Labonte win. I think he won his very first race at the Coca-Cola 600. Mm. And I think it was the year after Jeff Gordon won his first race at the Coca-Cola 600. I believe you're right. Yeah, I think it was 94 for Gordon, 95 for Bobby Labonte. And uh, that was that old Interstate Battery 18. Yes, sir. And uh, another time was one of Mark Martin's last uh, big wins. I, I don't know exactly which race was his last win, but I can't remember which car it was. I think it was just in the six car still. He was tearing through the field at the end of the race. He drove one of the most outstanding races towards the end of that, that Coca-Cola 600 he won that I have ever seen. Yeah. And he had, I think he had Kenseth breathing down his neck. Oh, yeah. I think it was Kenseth. Yeah, um, it was definitely Kenseth. I know. He, I mean, he was breathing down his neck. Like he, it, it felt, it felt like Kenseth was faster than Mark Martin, but Mark Martin drove so hard and timed the lap traffic so well that Kenseth couldn't do anything with him. And I think every one of us were sitting there pulling for Mark Martin because it's like, like when he almost won a Daytona 500 that year. Yeah, everybody was pulling for Mark Martin because he had never won that race. I don't know if Mark had won the 600 before then. I'm sure he had. But this felt like his last race, you know, because it, it was late in his career. It felt like his last win. And you can tell when something kind of feels that way. I like when I saw Dale Jarrett win at Talladega, we all felt like that was his last win in the 44 car. Yeah. And everybody in the stands was like, OK, that wasn't who I was pulling for, but I'm glad that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Like, OK, Dale Jarrett won. Yeah, cool. Well, awesome. Awesome. Good for him. Yeah, we're happy with that. So we all cheered when he did his burnouts and and got out of the car and got the flag and all that. I think that's what he did. I think he got out of the car. I think he walked up and got the flag. I want to say he did because it was right in front of us because we were behind the uh, behind the flag stand. But anyway, um, 
we kind of felt that way with Mark Martin too. Like that was going to be his last win. It wound up not being his last win, but it felt like it was. Like Terry Labonte, when he won the Southern 500 that year, we felt like that was his last win. When he won the last Southern 500 before it was going to be gone away with. Yeah. And I think came back eventually. That race sticks out in my mind so hard because he drove the wheels off that car at the mm -hmm. end of that race and wound up beating Kenseth by not very much, maybe by half a second or so. And everybody was just so happy for that. Other than that, this race kind of just, it doesn't really stick out as far as memories, like big moments in this race. The, the race itself is the moment. Right. It's the only 600-mile race on the whole schedule. You don't see this race as... Oh, remember when this happened then or like the Daytona 500 or something? You know, I like, oh, remember when this happened. Remember when this happened. Remember that finish. You don't really see that with this race. What you remember is it's a big race. It's a prestigious race. It's got a lot of history behind winning it. Some of the best in the entire business won this race. And some of the best in the business went for this race and Indianapolis at the same time. It's synonymous to be run with Indianapolis. It's just a fun weekend all around. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. That's why it's definitely a bucket list race that I want to go to. Definitely me too. That and go up and visit the Hall of Fame. I do miss, I miss this weekend how the All-Star race was always the same place yes. as the Coke 600 because it felt like NASCAR had that two-week home time. Yeah, absolutely. All the crews got to sleep in their beds. All the drivers got to sleep in their own beds. And they were home for two weeks because everybody's located around Charlotte for the most part. Right. Most part, everybody's located around Charlotte, uh, mostly Mo Mooresville, which is just down the road. It felt like a home game. And the fact that you got the all-star race and Charlotte there, you were there for almost three weeks before the next race. Mm -hmm. I miss that. I miss that it stayed in Charlotte. I hate that it's going to Texas every single year. Now, if we're going to rotate it, we need to rotate it and not just to Texas because my opinion, Texas ain't that great. Just my opinion. The track itself. Yeah. I think they can do something with that track. So you said something about um, how you want the All-Star in the Coke 600 at the same racetrack. Is that mm -hmm. what you're saying, that you want the Coke 600 at Texas? No, that's not what I said. <laughs> God, can you imagine 600 miles? Oh, my goodness. No way. I was falling asleep at the end of the last segment. Why did they put 50 laps at the last segment at All-Star Race? I don't know, but they almost didn't get it done because it started sprinkling. Oh, but, did it? Yeah. I, I didn't know that. They never mentioned that. Yeah, it wasn't very bad at all. It was just enough to get my hoodie damp, but that was it. But everybody was kind of worried about it. 50 laps at that last segment. Goodness gracious. It's never more than like 20. Right. I've never seen it more than 20. When it was 20, everybody was like, well, that's a long segment because usually it's 10. Usually right, it does exactly. be like 25, 30 or 30 lap segments, two or three 30 lap segments, and then they have like a 10 lap shootout for the win. Yeah. I mean, I know they threw a caution halfway through it, which another manufactured way of, well, you know, they were going to throw a caution, but, but somebody wrecked. I think Eric Jones wrecked. Yes. So that took place of that caution. So it came out naturally, but I think that's going to do it, man. I think that's our show. We kind of went crazy at the end of it. That's fine. Actually. Well, she got. So really fast. Mm -hmm. You know, we are very, you know, we, we support our, our drafting partners, you know, fully posable is definitely one, one podcast that comes to mind that if they weren't, if they didn't do what they did and take the leap of faith and started a podcast to ordinary guys, I don't think many of us would have a podcast right now, including us. 
Mm-hmm. So they used to do a segment on their show, and I loved this segment. And they they stopped doing it. Um, so I reached out to Scott and Jeff. Without now, listeners, Soda does not know what I'm saying right now. I have no idea what's about to happen. He has no idea what's happening. So uh, let me ask: Did you happen to listen to uh, Tales from the Estate this week? I have not. not okay, yet. perfect. That's actually perfect. Okay. Okay. So I talked to Jeff and Scott, asked them if if there was any sort of plans to bring this segment back, and they said probably not. I asked if I could use the segment. And they both gave me their blessing. So instead of Scott's secret question, we're going <laughs> to do Soda's secret question. Now, for people that don't know, um, Soda runs the Facebook and the Twitter pages for In the Marbles. I run the uh, Instagram and the email, the Gmail. And Soda also does the editing and, and uh, show notes and stuff like that. He's really the workhorse behind this podcast. So what I did... I changed the email, the password to our email, so Soda does not have access to this email anymore. Wow. Okay. So now, every time we have an email uh, of a question, it'll be your secret question. After you answer it, I will. I'll answer it too. So it's not, you know, it's just going to be trying to catch you off guard, pretty much. And this something I can edit out. You're saying? <laughs> oh, dang it! <laughs> No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Dang it, okay. Oh, there's always a loophole. <laughs> um, so actually, we got our first question. Okay. Do you know who it's from? I, I don't have no access to the email. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't an email. It was Caitlin Vinsel. Oh, okay. They were talking um, on Tales, with, uh, Tales from the Estate, talking about our show, uh, plugging us, you know, just like we plug them. And uh, Caitlin asked us, what is our favorite part of NASCAR? Hmm. That's a big general question. <sighs> I mean, if you're going to have to just narrow it down into one one particular thing, it's got to be the finishes okay. to me. The race finishes. When it's a good finish, it's unlike anything else. Like when it it comes down to like the last six laps, five laps, four laps, and you see this finish coming. And you see what it's going to be like at the end of it. And you're invested in one of these people. I mean, it's one thing if you don't care nothing about the two people involved. Right. But if you're actually invested, say he's your favorite driver or something, you know, and it comes down to the end of this race and your favorite driver has a chance to do something that's special and win it in a crazy way or a big finish. You're totally invested. You start getting excited. You start like, you know, like the, the nervous excitement like if you don't get this way with nascar maybe you get this way with football or some other sport where your team is making this comeback at the end of it you got three downs to get this touchdown in only 15 seconds and if you get this touchdown you win the game and go to the playoffs or the championship or something like that Mm -hmm. it's like that kind of excitement and it either comes out great or not but that last three three plays you know the last three or four laps you're up on your feet you're cheering you're screaming it's just and when, when you actually see a finish like that in person, too, it's out of this world. Yeah. And to me, it's it's almost like that whether you really get invested with some of these people or not, because you don't know what's going to happen. It could be the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life. I had no investment in Ricky Craven and Kurt Busch when they did their thing at Darlington a few years ago. But, man, what a finish. I was up screaming at that one. Yeah. I mean, when I was watching that live, I had never seen anything like it. 
And like I was up screaming when Mark Martin almost won a Daytona 500 or when Rusty Wallace almost won the Daytona 500 before Jeff Gordon put him in an awful situation in 99. Yeah. And I think you know what I'm talking about with that. Exactly. Don't you? Yeah. Real, I mean, real fast, if you don't know, Rusty Wallace was leading that race with just a few laps left, maybe three or four laps left. And Jeff Gordon decided he was going to go below the line, no rules against it then, going into turn one. And Rusty had his, had a choice. It's like, well, there's a lap car on the apron coming off the pit road. It was Ricky Rudd, I think, going into turn one. And Rusty said, well, I have to I have a choice here. I can either keep him below the line and have Jeff Gordon either plow into the back of Ricky Rudd and probably kill somebody or come up the track on top of me and wreck the whole field. Or I can move up and give him the position. And he moved up and gave him the position. Put Rusty in the worst particular spot. And I had lost so much respect for Jeff Gordon for doing that. Because it basically had Rusty Wallace choose between the biggest race of his entire career, because he never won on restricted plates, ever. It had him choose between winning the biggest race of his career or almost probably killing somebody. Yeah. Kind of a downer. Yeah. No joke. Wow. But you got <laughs> invested in that finish. Yeah. You know, because I'm like, man, my guy's about to win Daytona 500. He's never even had a chance to win this race before, and he's about to win this Daytona 500. It's the finishes of these races. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Even more than like going live or going, uh, getting a die cast or anything like that. To me, it is absolutely the end of these races and how they turn out a lot of times. What about you? Um, for me, it would just be, it would be the racing, the passing. You know, a lot of people just think that, you know, if you're faster than a car, you just pass them, right? Not, not at all. You know, if, if you're sitting in fifth trying to, you know, pass the guy in fourth, you know, and you guys are going about the same speed. There's a lot of science that goes into it. You have to dime in the corner. And what that means is you're going to go uh, try to cut the corner as much as you possibly can to get uh, a lot of forward bite and try to get a lot of momentum down the straightaway so you can pass them into the next uh, next turn. A lot of these passes, you know, they're developed five, you know, three, five laps in advance. You know, they have to like really hit their marks and get a kind of into a rhythm and then mm-hmm. and then pounce. And sometimes it works and sometimes it definitely doesn't. And once you, you know, go for it, if it doesn't work, you just lost all your momentum. So now you have to go back, probably lose a spot and now have to do it all over again. And that's all race long. So I really, I, the older I get, the more, um, the more I love watching the like watching a pass develop uh, mm-hmm. and like watching what they're doing, you know, because like what we were talking about earlier with like dirty air and stuff, when you're going down a straightaway, it's not a bad thing. Like you want to be lined up with that person. That dirty air is good on straightaways, but in, in the turns, you have to get that clean air on that nose. And it'll like Soda was saying earlier, it'll just make your car suction down to the racetrack and a lot more downforce. So it's a lot more than just flipping on a blinker and and you know turning right or turning left to pass someone. Um, it takes a lot of skill, science, and you know um, a lot of talent to make these passes. And some guys just make it look way too easy. Um, I think that's my favorite part of not just NASCAR, but racing in, in general, um, dirt track racing, like, you know, soda and I both have passions for that. Um, that's probably even more tricky. Um, you know, trying to find the grip level and, and, you know, not trying to hit roots and stuff. It's a completely dynamic sport. If, 
if you open if you your look mind, at it, if yeah. you look at it the right way, yes, yeah, if you, absolutely. If you look at it as a bunch of uh, people uh, turning left, I mean, you're going to see what you see. Yeah, but if you look at it as a momentum-based scientific sport, and yeah. you're going to see that because it's there. Oh gosh, yeah. It's also a team sport too. A lot more than what people think it is. Um, Not just like teammates out on the track. I'm talking about crew chief, car chief, people back at the the shops building the engines and the chassis. And then you have the people on pit road. I mean, you see it with Bubba Wallace right now. Oh yeah. It's a total team sport. His team is not doing good for him in the pits. So he's not finishing what he needs to finish, what he deserves to be finishing because it seems like he's always running in the top 10 nowadays, but they left a wheel loose. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's two penalties on pit road or something. It's so, that's gotta be so frustrating for him, but thank you so much for the question. Yes. That's cool. I hope we get more of those. Oh my gosh. From, I'm so excited. From everybody. Yes. So I think that's going to round out the show. I want to thank Mac for um, the occasional barking during Ethan's talk and yeah. the flapping and all that. that Team Mac. Hey Mac. <laughs> Come here. No, you're just going to stay there now, huh? Now you're not going to bother. I call you and you're not going to bother. Okay, cool. He's just looking at me like, what are you talking about? Fully Postable Wrestling Figure Podcast. I want to give them a shout out. Uh, We're in their role, I think, now. Jeff came out and (laughs) said, Jeff came out and says, like, well, they kind of beat me up a little bit for not putting (laughs) them in. (laughs) We're not missing them. So I'm going to start missing them every week. And they talked about Sonoma this week. at the end of their show. So that was really, that was, that was fun to hear. I've never been to a road course. Have you ever watched a road course in person? I have never been to a road course. No, I'm kind of iffy about ever wanting to do that because it's so, unless you're at the Roval, I guess it, which is the Charlotte infield road course for anybody that doesn't know that it's a mile and a half racetrack that they put a road course in the middle. So you could see the whole track. But if you're at a typical road course, like Watkins Glen or Sonoma, you really can't see anything, but where you're sitting. Yeah. And I'm really iffy about doing that. I, I don't get the appeal. Yeah. I because have, I'm used to, I mean, granted, you kind of do that at Talladega. But I don't know. It's different at Talladega. I had the opportunity to go to Watkins Glen uh, 2017, but um, I did not go to that because I never had any sort of interest in watching, going to a road course. Um, most of the reason is because I don't live by any road courses. Mm-hmm. Um, Char- yeah. I think if I was to go to one, it'd be the Charlotte Roval, uh, just because, like you were alluding to, I could see the whole racetrack. Uh, Sonoma, uh, Watkins Glen, uh, Coda. No, I have no interest in doing any of those. But I, I love cars, watching them on TV. Indy cars come to Birmingham, and uh, I could go up there one year. Mm-hmm. I think they were Birmingham either last week or the week before. I think I guess it was last weekend because they had done some Indianapolis testing. And I think their last race was in Birmingham. So I could go up there once in a while. I just like, I have, I don't have any interest in it. I mean, not that I don't like road courses. I mean, Watkins Glen is one of my favorite tracks on the whole circuit. I love that track. I've loved that track since I was a little kid. Yeah. Mark Martin actually won the first race. I remember watching at that track. Oh. Speaking of Mark Martin, all episode, episode six, it's, it's fitting that we talk about Mark Martin. So that <laughs> much in this episode. Yeah. The Mark Martin show. Next week I got an opening segment. I meant to do it this week. Next week I got an opening segment. Um, we're gonna get we're gonna do this until we hit like episode one hundred. Okay. Okay. I got an opening segment for next week. Drunk wrestling history. I really like that show where they're uh, 
not always accurate, but they're always drunk. That's uh, from Scott from Fully Posable. That's this little side project. Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry. Great show. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Trying to see if I can talk Steve into going to StarCast. Ooh. He's thinking about it. He's on the fence. And Come on, Steve. <laughs> you got to do it, Steve. Well, I'm not going to any event, so I'm not I'm not going to push nobody. I'm going the cheapest route I could possibly go with StarCast. That's fine. You don't have to push Steve. I'll push Steve. <laughs> Come on, Steve. <laughs> Um, boot to the face excellent show i also want to throw it out someone that we haven't mentioned yet on the show um just because we haven't done any personal things with him uh through this podcast yet but i do a lot of things with him personally in other avenues and a lot of our podcasting partners do too uh jason wolf jason wolf excellent artist and he has this chop shop that he does where he does custom hasbro style figures and I mean, he will do any type of commission and I've seen some excellent stuff from like eighties and nineties yeah. uh, style cartoon animation type stuff. He's made so many excellent figures with his chop shop and it, they're, they're made in a unique way where they use magnets to hold on yes. the, uh, the heads and the arms and stuff. So you can kind of pose them in the way you want. I have, I think about eight or nine of them now, and I have like four more coming pretty soon that I'm not going to go into because I don't know how much is out there because the chop shop is kind of an underground thing. Yeah. You're not supposed to know. Yeah. uh, Except for what's already been out. When I went to the Breaker and Bane's headquarters, when I was on a guest on their show, uh, Breaker was showing me all of his collection of Jason Wolf's stuff. I got a few that he got because I saw some of them that he got. And my wife, uh, like the, the King Harley race uh-huh. and the Legion of Doom with the uh, gold yeah, shoulder pads. I got the Legion of Doom with the gold shoulder pads. I missed it the first time around and he offered it again. I was like, well, I got to get it in gold. I've never had one with gold. I've never, only thing ever been released in gold. Right. So I had to get that. He uh, did that King Harley race for a breaker. Yeah. And my wife got a hold of him for Christmas. He's like, what does he want? Has he mentioned anything that he really wants from you? Because I want to surprise him with some figures from you. He's like, well, he mentioned One Man Gang, and he mentioned King Harley Race. And I could do both of them, actually, right now, if you want. He's like, yes, do both of them. So I got the Harley Race and One Man Gang in Hasbro form. And those are some of my favorite figures I've got in my whole collection. Those That's four that amazing. I just mentioned. Not to mention Brother Love is in that now. I guess I can mention Paul Bear is in it because that's already come out. But I got a Paul Bear from him. Man, it, but the ones coming, it's just, it's so much fun too. Yeah, absolutely. I just I just wanted to throw it out to him. Uh, we haven't used him specifically for any designs yet, just because I kind of want to see what I can do personally. It's just a, it's just my thing. And I'm sure he'd understand that. Like, see what you can do yourself. And if I can't, if I get into a bind and I can't do what I want to do or make it look the way I want it to look, then I'm definitely going to be shouting him out because I love everything he does. And oh, um, absolutely. also want to shout out big underscore Bane. He does our intro music and he owns outsiders beard Co., which great products, beard oils, bombs, candles. I have four or five cents. I can't, I don't even know. I think it's five cents now that I apply different times of the year, depending on the, um, Depending on how it goes, you know, if it's in the fall, I'll put on the fall scent. If it's in the spring, I'll put on something like that. If I'm going somewhere where 
if I'm going out with my wife, I'll put on like the tobacco and vanilla smell, you know, something like that. Excellent products. Uh, who do you have, Ethan? Um, yeah, I have a confession. What's that? <sighs> I shaved my beard. <laughs> I can't. So now it's a skin balm. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It feels so weird because like I can't smell my beard, you know, outsiders beard co is some really just tremendous uh, products. Also check out Bane's music Uh, anywhere that you find your music. uh, I think it's uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple music. I I listen to it on Google. Yeah. I listen. I listen to it on Apple music and uh, I love that man's music. Like he said that he's working on an album. I cannot wait for it. Breaker and Bane's Power Hour as uh, a podcast. Uh, one professional wrestler and one rapper, friends in the seventh grade, get together to talk everything movies, comics, pro wrestling, and anything that makes you say WTF. Uh, awesome, awesome podcast. I love both of those guys. Definitely like family. Brian Breaker, he has a side project. You know it's fake, right? Uh, where he goes in-depth conversation with professional wrestlers, referees, managers, fans, and anyone that has pro wrestling ties. Uh, for active and insightful conversations. Uh, that is a really, really fun, really fun podcast. You and I both have been uh, guests of that show, and and who knows? We might have someone else <laughs> coming up soon. I don't know. Breaker just hates free time, so he has a side, side project with one of our other good friends, Mr. Travis Fowler, Just that actually just sent me a uh, tweet while, this, we, while we were... Uh, I almost said performing <laughs> while we were recording TB toy cast. Bring my guitar uh, back out. <laughs> <laughs> the TB toy cast, uh, join Brian Breaker and Travis Fowler as they take you on a trip down the toy aisle. Travis and uh, Brian are both massive toy fans. Now you can hear them talk fondly about the toys that they grew up with and what's new and upcoming in the toy world. Uh, each episode they do, it's like a deep dive on a Pacific wave of action figures. Amazing. I absolutely love that uh, show. Going with the Breaker and Bane's Power Hour stuff, um, Mr. Bane also has a side project called, you know it's uh, you know it's fake, right? No, No Holds Barred with Bill Benis. So uh, get ready for some No Holds Barred action with your host, the legendary Bill Benis, and his co-host, Bane, as they bring you the most insightful pro wrestling podcast ever, ever of all time. Tales from the Estate with uh, Drew and his wife, Caitlin. Thank you for the uh, question last week, or this week, last week. <laughs> Mush, man. My brain is mush. Uh, no. <laughs> almost there, man. Almost there. Keep going. Uh, man, we're, we're almost there. I see the finish line. Uh, join Drew and his wife, Caitlin, as they take you on a magical trip full of gut-busting laughter, head-scratching random facts, and their top five favorite things, whether it's favorite cereal, top five favorite bands, you name it. They talk about it. Amazing, super, super funny podcast over there. Definitely want to check them out. Uh, also, uh, our friend Tim has a podcast called a chair shot a podcast spotlighting anyone who loves professional wrestling action figures including customizers creators collectors and people that's actually in the business so um definitely spotlighting the fig life community there and and such an awesome super awesome podcast tim is a one in a million type of guy and we we're glad that he's on our side um some other shout outs i kind of want to do um if you don't mind sure uh our friends at toyota 
So without Toyota, majority of the world would be stuck at a standstill. Toyota, moving forward. <laughs> um, Rowdy Energy, of course, the official energy drink of In the Marbles podcast. Uh, fueling me through um, this podcast especially because, who I need it. And finally, our friends at Lionel Racing. Lionel Racing puts out uh, the most detailed NASCAR diecast co- uh, collection, in my opinion, the the best at it um lionel racing their their insight for detail is unbelievable these race version diecast cars literally are they take like a thousand pictures of the race car and then every speck of dust confetti mm-hmm. tire rub damage it doesn't matter it's on that diecast so it's literally taking the diecast or taking the race car from victory lane shrinking it to to the palm of your hand so really cool stuff over there. Yeah, one of the first race version race cars I remember seeing was probably that Earnhardt crash car in 99. Yeah. Other than that, we never had that when I was a kid. That's something that they're doing. And um, I remember seeing a couple of them from Winter Circle, uh-huh. but these guys do it every time. They do yeah. it just they do it every week they can. So that's that's really cool. So thank you everybody for listening to this week's show. Uh, I want you to please rate and review us. If you can, we don't have that many ratings and, you know, some people are kind of rude. Love to see a review. No reviews yet. Follow us on our social media, Twitter and Instagram at in the marbles pod. Find us on Facebook. You can listen to the show there for the time being. Not very much longer, but it's up this week. You can email the show at in the marbles pod at gmail.com. You can also go to whatamaneuver.net, hit the search tab. In the uh, top left corner, you can search by store. We are in the marbles. You can pick up our excellent design, Allison, which is a good Davy Allison throwback scheme that me and Ethan both have some shirts of. And man, you need to go get some sleep. Yes, sir. I hear that. You have been up over 24 hours now. Oh, that that's not even like that long, honestly. <laughs> I don't sleep anymore. You hit a wall. You did hit yeah. the wall today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was complete mush up there right now. I don't even and know with the uh, race cars going in the background, like he's still at Texas Motor Speedway. Anything else to add? As always, <laughs> peace, love, and all of the above. All right. We'll check you out next time in the marbles. <laughs>